Welcome to the English Florist Podcast, a fortnightly show about living the life of an event florist. This week, Lynn's visits her mentor and friend, Louise McGregor. In her 81st year, she still arranges flowers despite being registered blind. From her home just outside Henley, Oxfordshire, Lynn's invites Lou to share her story of how she became a florist. Lou, now widowed, is a little emotional at times as she recounts more than 60 years of working and living as an independent jobbing florist. Um, it's a bit weird actually recording this with you because how many hours have we spent at this table putting the world to right? <laughs> 22 years. 22 years. Louise, um, just for the purposes of the podcast, is my mentor. Is, as in still present tense, is still my mentor. <laughs> and um, I will always forever be referred to as your pupil or my learn. What do you always call The person I train. The person I train. I'm very proud to train a person. I was trained by someone and I like to pass it on. <laughs> so um, I really wanted to do this, record this podcast with you, Lou, just for posterity. Because mm. one day it might go into the archives or something. Because... Um, you know, I came to you via uh, your friend, your niece, is Hilary your niece? Cousin. What started uh, off as a I've got a mad aunt is, you know, 22 years later, we're here today. And, um, she's so, still mad and she's still mad. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're both mad now. I think that, we can safely say that. So I just really wanted to just start. I'm sure there'll be more podcasts to come because we can't record everything today but I really wanted you to just tell everybody about how how you begun as a florist when at what point in your life did did you and the flowers meet and I'll try not to cry <laughs> <laughs> um very very early um my um parents had to go and live in India after the war for one reason or another and I found India a really traumatic experience. Mm. Um, there was people giving birth on the street, and I was six, and I'd come from the green fields of Buckinghamshire. Every, everything happened yeah. on the streets, and I found it really traumatic after mm. living in Buckinghamshire. And we came back to England, and there were dandelions growing in the hedgerows. And I thought they were the most beautiful thing I had ever seen in my life. Wow. And I picked the dandelions for my mother. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, everybody laughed at me because they were only daddy yeah. guys, not orchids. Did you think of them as something exotic because you were so used yes. to Indian In, flowers? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and indeed, famously, the, um, what is the thing, tuberoses. Yes. The market smelt of tuberoses yeah. and they yeah. were the flowers of India, which I loved. Yeah. And passed on to you, yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, but, you know, I came back to... to England and to this country life again. How old were you then? They came back when I was 14, but I came back the first time when I was, um, let me see, six, seven, eight, nine. I went when I was six. And yeah. We came back three years later for long leave, as my father called it, and they stayed six months and they left me here. The other interesting thing was that they said to each other, well, we'll leave her here, but we won't tell her. And um, oh that also had a... a, a they didn't know I could hear. Mm. I'm, I'm bad, very bad sight, but I yeah. can hear. So I was sent to a really nice boarding school, which was more like a family. And I just accepted that was the way it was. Yeah. And, um, you know, seeing my parents once a year and all that sort of stuff. But I had an awful lot of time at boarding school because in the holidays. Yeah. Uh, um, so I roamed the fields. 
And I was only saying today, actually, to um, someone who's driving me earlier, by now we normally have catkins in the bushes. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, we have. There are some around. There are. Yeah. Just. But just, yeah. Yeah. It's, we're oddly late this year for mm-hmm. the hottest summer on record or yeah. whatever. Um, you know, but I remember going for a walk in the fields and finding these cactins and thinking they're the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen and picking them and putting them in a jam jar in my little room. Mm. And so I always had this thing with flowers. And I remember, as I was saying to you earlier about my... Um, then wanted my granny wanting me to do help with the church flowers at Easter, yeah. and I was like nine, and I thought I was doing the most amazing thing, and I, you know, walked back um, through the through the fields to pick the nice bits of greenery that I could use in these church flowers to make the church beautiful for Easter. So it goes back a long, long way. Oh my gosh! You know. So when you left school, when I, mean, I left school, uh, my parents would have liked it to, me to run the family business. Yeah. Because you're all girls, aren't you? There are no boys. Yeah. yeah. But also, I'm at the age when... Um, I was born in 1942, and people at that age were inclined to make a statement mm. about being a girl. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, definitely. What about, what's her name? Um, the Australian woman. We're, yeah, we're, we're all coming out women, with women's freedom. Right, women's rights. You we're, mean like yes. G- Jermaine Greer? Jermaine Greer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm her age. Yeah. Are you? Well, roughly, yeah. Wow, okay, yeah. so... Oh, mm. oh. But I also have a right to have my life, and yeah. it, it doesn't necessarily include being a lawyer. So you're, the girls that you went to school with, I'm, I'm assuming that it was a girls' school, that you because mm. there wasn't co-ed back wasn't in the true. day. Um, and also it was more like a family school. Yeah. Uh, the woman who ran it, um, uh, Douglas, my husband, famously said, I don't know where you'd have been without Lenny. Mm. You know, right. Because she her, she lost her fiancé in the First World War yeah. and decided she would never get married again because mm-hmm. she had lost the love of her yeah. life and she would never have children. Yeah. And I would give my life to making a home for people who, for some reason, haven't got a home. Right. So it uh, was like a, a second family mm, for mm. you. And there were 63 of us, and everyone always laughs because I say it was 63 rather than 65 or 70. Um and she really tried. She was an educationist too. She was a top Girton girl. Yeah, yeah. You okay. know, so she was properly yeah. educated. A, a, a properly educated and an educationist. She yeah. knew how to pass it on. Mm. That this amazing woman whose subjects were Latin and maths. Yeah, knew so much about life in 1950. When you left school, your father expected you to take the family business on, but. He'd learnt already that that wasn't going to happen because um, I had I was going for a place at Oxbridge, yeah, and I refused to do my last term of A levels because I had you decided at that point that you're going to do floristry. No, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Yeah, uh, one of the problems I do have to point out was I couldn't see. Right even in those days. So I can't read people's faces easily. Right. Although you must know that I have perfected that to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I rely hugely on body language. Yes. But when you're only 14, 15, 16, you haven't worked it out. Your eyesight, what's, what is the condition that you had when you were, were you still live with today? Well, it's called posterior something or other, and I can't remember the Latin name after that, but it, it's a disease of the back of the eye, and it right. gets worse with, worse with age. Right. And, as you know, I fought hugely to combat it. Yeah. Um, and still am. And uh, that means just keeping on going, really. It's in my family. Yeah. It's not just me. So it's, a, it's hereditary. Familiar thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So... So you left school? So I left school. Yeah. And uh, my parents were determined that I would have m- 
tertiary education, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did three years at the school and school of domestic science, for which I am forever grateful because it taught me <laughs> so many skills rather than cooking, organisational skills, bookkeeping, and I still feel that the way I ran Flowers Today, which was my original company, was due to my time at the Eastbourne School yeah. of Domestic Economy. Economy, for a start. None of this, let's get, all go and have pizzas on a Friday night. Will we? <laughs> no, economy, for a start. <laughs> we even had to put in the price of the parsley we used to decorate the dish. Really? In the, it was so detailed. So you brought that to the to your business. So your first business was Flowers Today. Yeah, but I mean, uh, yes, that was my first business. And I, um, my father lent me £200. I never bought... I didn't go like some I've come across lately. I can think of one person in particular. Not you. Not you. <laughs> who, who went off and decided when he had his shop, he had his shop, yeah. to go and buy vases and things yes. to fill a shop. Yes, I only bought anything as I needed it. Right. And I did contract work so that I didn't have to be in a shop full of flowers that might not sell Mm -hmm. and um, I'm talking about 1960 there was a sort of sudden burst of imports from places like South Africa Mm -hmm. and uh, people filling up their flowers with gladioli from South Africa and I didn't want that and they'd be dead and thrown out and so you know it was very hard. So who taught you? So then, that was it. Uh, then, that was the great breakthrough. My um, father, the other great thing in those days was advertising. Advertising came to the fore. My father had a family business and he needed to beat um, the big other paint firms. And he had a very good advertising executive called Eric Garrett, who was the other main person in my life, actually. And he saw the other side of me. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And um, so all through my teens, when my parents came back from Calcutta, I would do flowers. My father was a very good gardener, no surprise to say. Yeah, um, in the jeans, clearly. <laughs> and so um, he had a beautiful garden. And I would quickly do a beautiful arrangement in the hall before he came back from work. And because the arrangement was so beautiful, he never chose me off because he didn't like me picking the flowers. <laughs> in his garden but he didn't take, tell me off was the arrangement was so beautiful <laughs> from garden flowers and this fellow um, who sort of turned Jensen Nicholson around in a way um, he used to come for weekends and things but he saw in me I suppose he thought I in a way was the daughter he'd never have yeah and um, he saw my creativity and he talked to my father and he said you know I can figure out something for your daughter I know all the he knew Everyone in London in those days, you mm. know, Annabelle's and Chelsea and every, everybody. And he said, I can... She's got to get herself tro- properly trained in the West End, yeah. properly trained, and then when she is trained, she can come back to me and I'll help her start up business. I walk the streets and, you know, Lady What's-Her-Name in Sloane Street, um, Marina, uh, she would take me, but not for another two years. Right. Poolbrook, um, Lady Poolbrook. Lady Poolbrook. Yeah. Um, Moises would take me, but you don't touch a flower for the first year in Moises. You sweep the floor and you make the tea. Right. Um, just watch. Just watch. Yeah. Mm? And by that time, I was getting beyond wanting to just watch. Because mm. um, I'd already done my three years at the Eastbourne School of Domestic Economy, yes. you know. Yeah. So yeah. I needed to get on with my life. So it was, you know, I just, you know, I, I turned Moises down, definitely. Um, sadly, Lady Poolbrook, because she was a lovely person. Mm. Um, and, and there were other good offers. And then 
I walked up German Street one day and there was this nice flower shop there opposite Fortnum's in German Street. And I walked in and I said, you know, I'm looking for a job. And she said, we don't take apprentices, but it's Christmas. And she said, just leave a telephone number. I left my telephone number and she phoned me. She worked for me for December. If I can make something of you, I will. So that was within a couple of weeks that after leaving your number? I mean, I got up to go and to... And what was her shop called? She's called Joan Palmer. And it was very small. She only had about uh, five people working for her. And she saw... The, so she said to me well, the first day I went in, she said, OK, it's all very old-fashioned, the story, but still. Um, she said, I want you to do very old-fashioned corner decoration for a table in someone's sitting room. So it's a corner table like yeah. that. So, you, so do a decoration. You're, you're only allowed to spend one pound 49p. <laughs> And so I did this decoration. Well, she said, fine. Just show me everything before you sent it out. Oh, really? So you were good enough from the get-go? From the get-go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how did you? How long did you stay with her for? Probably longer than I needed to, five years. But, five uh, years, wow. Well, uh, well, come on, you're learning all the time. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were older than me. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I was. I and, was. And, and, you know... So how old were you then? So then I was, let me see, late teens. Right. I, I was 21 when I was there. So at right. 21, uh, my 21st was while I was there. Yeah. And she gave me a glass duck, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and, you know, there was another girl there who'd been to Constance Bry. Yeah. But six months at Constance Bry is not the same as being trained by someone. I can tell you. Really? <laughs> of course. In what way was she... Well, you haven't got the practice. Right. You've got right. to do it on the job. Right, yes. So there yeah. was an older woman in the, in the workforce of the five, and she was I mean, not that old, of course not, but she it's just after the war. Yeah. But she'd been a WAF. Yeah. So probably she was 50s, mm-hmm. I suppose. She was a WAF in the war. Right. And um, somehow she'd got herself into floristry, Lord knows how. Um, and we'd, we'd do all the flowers at St James's Piccadilly every week, which mm-hmm. was only up the road, you yeah. see. And um, But in those days... Before floral foam, we used wire and water. And it was quite a step from Fortnum's to St James's carrying a big pedestal arrangement. So would it have been already made up? Yeah, we made right. it up in yeah. the shop. Yeah. The, the weddings were too close together Yeah, in St James's. Right. Go to St James's so often, I call it St Jim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so it would have been made up. So anyway, we get halfway up the aisle and this waff drops the bloody pedestal arrangement. By this time, that wedding's going out that way and this wedding's coming in this oh way. Gosh. The bride and uh, the groom and best man are already at the altar looking to see their pretty lady coming or her, his pretty lady coming and all we get is Mary dropping the bed. Oh, my gosh. She could not cope, waff or not, she could no. not cope. I had to put myself together, pick it up, take it to the altar and rearrange the flowers in front of the assembled congregation. Oh, my Goodness, Lou. <laughs> it's being called a freelance florist. <laughs> I wasn't freelance <laughs> that day. But it was really good for me, you know. So it was a big puddle uh, of water on the floor, presumably. Couldn't help that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I didn't bother with more water. It only had to last yeah. 40 minutes or so, didn't it, you yeah. know. Um, but, uh, you know, you've got to be able to think on your feet. And that's not what you get from Constance Bry. Right. So at Constance Bry, it would have been more just arranging. Yeah, and, you're there yeah. nine to five yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah, rather than actually you're working on the job. Mm. So working on the job is the way forward, you reckon? Well, I, well that's how you train me. <laughs> I'm just saying. It, but it must be the way forward because you, 
you've got to get your head out of every situation. Yeah. Mm. So at what point did you... Because I, I remember when I was working with you, I must have worked with you for a couple of years, and I and coming home after, you know, because I, sometimes I stayed the night, didn't I? Yeah, very often. If we had went to early markets. Yeah. Your mother and your husband were very generous people. Yeah, they, they looked after the children for mm. me. But I remember eventually feeling like, I want to do I got this. There. Yeah. I, I, oh, I, it was I after that wedding. Yeah. It was after that wedding in, um, I know the wedding. We thought Great we, Fosters. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I know. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. And we said, we were, you said to me, I don't know when I'll be home. This is a complete nightmare. Yeah. We did it so quickly and we, we, we were home by two. We were. Mm. And, and for the record, when I do flowers these days, I often make up the arrangements mm. pretty much mm. ahead, load the van and take them. Mm. But in those days, you would t- we would turn up in your car with mm. buckets of flowers and actually do make things in situ. The thing was, the fashion has changed hugely. Mm. And in my, luckily, works for me with the loss of sight, because the, the fashion now is so much more contemporary. Yeah. And I can, I mean, I suppose we thought it was contemporary then, but now it is the clean glass bars or whatever, mm. you know. And that's how I managed to keep working, registered blind, you know. And so I take all those lily vases to the mansion house. I can get 20 in the car now, mm. done. Can you? Mm. <laughs> that's why, I, I, although my car is a luxury, because yeah. obviously it's more expensive than I get the money back from, yeah. to me it's worth it. Yeah. I don't belong to a golf club. <laughs> so you went from Joan Palmer to... Five years working with her, doing events and stuff. Did you ever get to do the bridal bouquets in that? Trip? Yeah. You did? She taught me everything. And right. I was better at it than the others do. Were you? <laughs> um, yeah, because I've always been good with my hands. And so um, everything was wired? Yes, Back in the day? All mm. the bridesmaids as well Down as the bridal? To, uh, but even in my own time, I'd mm. come in on a Friday night at half past four and make four wired a bridesmaid's bouquets, the complete shower job, mm-hmm. buttonholes, headdresses. Yeah. And I think one of my best bit of advice to you, which I did repeat this summer to a bride's mother, who she, she could do everything standing on her head, was never leave the headdresses till the next morning. Mm-hmm. Do them first. Because yeah. when you're too tired to make a headdress, it's never going to work. It's pearls of wisdom, Lou, because I, I too pass <laughs> that, that gem on to yes. all florists that come to my studio. Yeah. Because... You're right. You're absolutely right. At the end of a Friday for a Saturday wedding, you're absolutely on your knees because you, you've done everything pretty much. And then to just... The fidgety job. Yeah, all the little twiddly bits. And you can't yeah. get the right bit. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And the flowers, you know, the flowers when you started, I mean, ha- have they changed? Yeah. Well, they must have done. So mm. how have they changed? What has changed in, well, how many? 60 years. 60 years. One of the things we've got for, you'll be pleased with this, far more local flowers. One yeah. thing that stands to my mind, a man that was always there um, on Thursdays and Fridays, I think he slept in his suit. He looked as though he did. And he had a tie and a collar and a little gold tie pin that kept his yeah. tie like that. <laughs> and I'm sure he slept in his clothes. They looked as if they were stuck to his skin. <laughs> and he sold nothing but bunches of violets. Wow. And he brought them in a child's prang to Covent Garden. Wow. I am one of the few surviving people who've actually brought flowers at the real Cotton Garden. Yeah. <laughs> and he would come with his pram full of violets. I wonder where he was from. Cornwall. From he Cornwall, brought, he drove yeah. up. And would you have wired those violets? No, but we would have wired them in bunches. Right. And the Lily of the Valley, I mean, that was 
I mean, it still is. I, my last bridal bouquet had mm. Lily of the Valley mm. in because the bride's grandmother had Lily of the mm. Valley in. Mm. Um, it's, it's still like iconic, classic mm. flower. Mm. And would you have been able to get that year round? Because these um, days... Well, they, it all came from South France. So famously, there's a, book, uh, there's a rose called Peace, which I'm sure you know. Mm. Yeah. And um, the grower um, brought this land in Antibes in south of France. Uh-huh. And it was really rough ground and needed to be completely cleared. But it had very fertile soil and, of course, a good Mediterranean climate. And they grew loads of flowers that we brought in those days, including Lily of the Valley. Yeah. Um, and roses, roses particularly, that's how the peace rose came yeah. to be grown there. Um, and so we did, we did, my father, you see, got Lily of the Valley from his wedding to my mum, which... They got married in 38, particularly mm. like everybody my age. Their mothers got married in 38. Yeah. And he got Lily of the Valley. But it was at huge expense. Um, and now we know there's a man that surprised Lily of the Valley all the year round. It's something like ridiculous, like £20 a bunch. It's a bit more now. Is it? Because I looked at it the other day. In the time that I've been a florist with you... Mm. You used to deal with the mothers who would be organising oh, right. the flowers, mm. and we would. I think that the thing mm. that's it's different between yeah, mm. from my weddings to your weddings are that I tend to do venues and civil ceremonies a lot now. Mm. Um, but when I was working with you, it was big. We did a lot in the church. Mm. I mean, all the windowsills, mm. mm. pedestals at the it beginning, but that's not two like that at the now. front. It's just not no. like that. Do but you I, find that too? I, without a doubt. And that's why I say it's gone in my favour mm. with the loss of sight. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I often don't do hardly anything in the church, you yeah. know, and it's all fine. And little is often more. Yeah. But oddly, I find little country tip churches take more than cathedrals. You're right. You're the right. cathedral is one big thing by yeah, outside yeah. the altar and something on the way in, yes, jobbed up. Exactly. But little country, you no, know, it'd be nice to have something there and there's a knob up there and yeah. I could do this, you know. Yeah, mm? yeah absolutely. Mm. And, and what about the flowers? Because, you know, for me, when I first met you, and, well, I will always remember that time we went back to Denham Farmhouse where you used to live and... You had to you eat just, and <laughs> I was a vegetarian. For the record, I was a vegetarian then. I haven't been ever since. But no, you sent me outside and, and you showed me how to... So you showed me how to wire some leaves and I was struggling with just threading the silver wire through a couple of um, ivy leaves and you just wired up a teardrop bouquet like that. Just did it in front of my eyes and I was still struggling and fumbling yeah, around yeah. with a little bit. But... You know, it's the flowers. I mean, for me, you would send me down the garden and you had Mrs. North, who we used to go and pick mm. the buckets of greenery mm. from. So it's been a very British affair in mm. a lot of ways. But mm. you also went up to London to buy your flowers. and. But isn't it rather like um, floral foam or not floral foam? Uh, you know, there's there's a place for everything. Yeah. And I needed to get good quality flowers. Yeah. Um, you can't tip up at the mansion house. No. With a couple of daisies. Indeed. Indeed, yeah. So, you know, and, you know, as you know, good quality flowers you need less of. Absolutely, you absolutely. Know, a couple of daisies you need a lot of. You do. And, you know, I, I, that's why the lily vases has been a remarkable 20 years success. A couple of open stems of open lilies, three good roses. <laughs> and what would you describe as a good rose? Oh, I'm afraid it's probably 
Colombian or something, you know, yeah. it's got to be a really good... Sturdy word. one, yeah. yeah, it's going to hold its yeah. own. Uh, and look the part. Absolutely. Uh, and then that goes back again to floral foam or not floral foam. I shouldn't be buying mm. Colombian roses. And how do you feel on the floral foam debate? I know I've appraised you over the years of... Because, you know, for me, I cut my teeth on floral foam. When I went and did my city and guilds, mm. that's what we mm. did. And I remember asking, what do I do with it afterwards? And being told to put it in the compost, which we were just having this conversation before yes. we started the yes. podcast about the fact that you said, oh, well, the brown stuff, or oh, it'll, you know, a couple of months, it'll break down. And I said, no. more like a couple of hundred years yes. and it might break yes. down. And, yeah. uh, you know, we either use floral foam or we but don't. But then, you see, this was given me, to me for the church yesterday. Yeah. Uh, new one. None of the church leaves. Lou has just gone off to get something. Sorry, I can't. <laughs> I'm just explaining on my podcast that you've just left the room. <laughs> Louise has left the room. <laughs> ah, so she's got a big vase here, a yeah. very a cylindrical vase with a kind of indentation. I, I at would the bottom. never have chosen it. Right. Someone gave it, said, "Can you use that?" Yeah. She, uh, she lives in a private house, and so it's not very mm. good in a private house. No. I said, I can use it. I have great branches of blossom. Yeah. But she said, it'll fall over. I said, no, it won't. No. You know it won't. It's, it's full sturdy. of water. Yeah, mm? absolutely. And, you know, those sorts of... I mean, at Duchess's funeral, um, that sort of thing was all over the place. Yes. But actually, nicer yeah. ones than that. I yeah. would never have brought that. It was a present to the woman. Right. And she lives in a cottage. And yeah. It's not useful. Hmm? It's not really a cottage vase, No, is it? it isn't, is it? Yeah. But, you know, it's heavy in its own right. Yeah. By the time it's full of water... As you know, my style is quite loose. Um, pedestals are a thing of the past. They are, Lou. I'm shocked to hear you say that. I'm really shocked to hear you say that. Because I've done I can't. Have you not? So, what would you do instead of a ped? Well, uh, actually, not glass. I've got some vases. beautiful glass vases mm-hmm. that open out like that. Mm-hmm. So, you've got a big yeah. spread. Um, I mean, but I can quite easily arrange things in just water yeah absolutely absolutely so the, the style is too loose it is your style is very loose too isn't it mm, mm. so you talked about going back to your grandmother and sh- and doing the church flowers mm. so I remember I went and picked um, I went and picked nice little spring flowers to put in this and thinking yeah. how lovely and I put moss around the outside and things which was ridiculous but yeah. you know I was only a child absolutely and I was still thinking it through are there some highlights of your floristry career which I have to say even though you're registered blind it's not over <laughs> what did you say once um, florists die with snips in their hands probably probably <laughs> if not in their coffins probably <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, the odd thing about this losing my sight to such a degree, I've always had a sight problem, um, it means that I've used my hands instinctively all my life. Yeah. And as a result, um, my hands are still working for me instinctively. Yeah. So instinctively, I, I'm knowing what to do. I have to use light carefully now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find the first morning light's the best light. Yeah. before the sun gets up, but it's still a bright light. And I will get up at six in the summertime, even though I don't need to, mm-hmm. in order to take the benefit of the light out there. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, but, uh, I mean, I seem to be getting away with it. <laughs> and teaching wreaths in your 80th yes. year. Yes. Just, just 81st just coming up. 81st. <laughs> yes. um, so what are your... Do you have, like, mem- any memorable 
floral occasions that you just think, oh gosh, that was spectacular. I mean, I can think of several working with you mm. that were just hilarious. Because you don't do small, no. do you? What about what the was? eagle's head? The eagle's head. Please share the eagle's head story. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing a, a, a wedding um, in a very smart church outside Marlow. And the um, flower lady there is completely formidable and doesn't like the thought of outside florists coming in at all. And anyway, in we come. And um, I said, I wanted to do one here and one there and one in front of the lectern. He said, it must be no higher than the eagle's head. And Lindsay speaks from the back of the church, Lou doesn't do small. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it was, absolutely, the eagle's head. I, I don't know. I mean, I think all of them, I mean, I think, funny enough, the conversation about um, how did you two get together in the church in, I um, can't remember where that church was, but I know in, it's somewhere near Great Missenden. And... Um, how did you two get together and you said about the mad art lot but I mean that was a nightmare but fun wedding you had to go up the ladder remember oh my gosh yes I was broken and I was only in my 30s then wasn't yeah, I yeah there was yeah. scaffolding wasn't there, there was yes scaffolding yes I yeah know. that was an amazing wedding and you know it, it, it you know I'm still knowing some of those people yeah but you've done generations generations okay the family in the family in Finches. Uh, you know, I met them in 1966, I think. So before I was born, just mm. for the record. Just for the record. <laughs> and I've done all their weddings, funerals. Um, uh, three uh, generations Three brides? generations. Yeah. Uh, and I'm on to the sister-in-laws now. <laughs> that <laughs> wedding we did in, uh, just at the end of the year, we, you helped me. And I, it was the day I said that Michael Jackson died last night. Oh, my God, yes. And you said... No, I said what? That's right. And I yes. thought it was... Jack, you thought it was Lieutenant... No, Colonel... The General. The General, general. Yes. yes. I said, you know, I used to go out with him. You said, you are a funny one. You <laughs> used to go out with Michael Jackson. <laughs> um, that's right. Because did you think it was Michael Jackson? I knew it was the... the it was, yeah. I knew it was the, uh, uh, the General. Yes. Because Douglas had woken me up when he saw him on television. He said, your old boyfriend's died. <laughs> You see? Yeah. And you thought it was the singer. They did. So you I said, it, you are a funny one. <laughs> <laughs> and we were so hard work that day that we'd eaten our lunch by breakfast time like the builders. Yeah, we had. <laughs> yes. yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah. Half a sandwich, two packets, and we'd have swapped the flavours. Yes. That's right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you've never had a van, have you? Uh, well, yeah. I had a, I had a minivan in uh, when I first started. So this amazing man, Eric Garrett, um, he designed a package for me, which I didn't pay for, but it was mm -hmm. free designing work. Mm -hmm. And he thought of the name Flowers Today, right. which means you can have flowers today. Whenever I hear your message, you can have flowers today if you want them. Uh -huh. Not on your yeah. message, but yes. Yeah. And so if you... And I had... Of course, we didn't have phones, mobiles, or, you know, yeah. or really answering machines. Yeah, no, but no. I had an answering service. And so... I had an arranged, so when someone phoned that number, they'd say, I want to leave a message to Louise McGregor. Mm -hmm. And if they phoned before two, I would pick it up and do it that day. If they phoned before five, I would pick it up and hopefully do it that day. Yeah. So it meant those were the days of dinner parties and things. You could do table decorations for dinner parties in yeah. Chelsea and things just like that. 
And were people prepared to pay good money for flowers? Was it because you were in London, do you think? I think a lot of it's work hard. Yes, I think it is in London. I got a lot... I did the work flowers at Annabelle's. I did the flowers at all these places. Yeah. And loads of... uh, Yeah, I, I, I got good introductions, to be fair. But it puts it in proportion, annoys my daughter hugely, that when Douglas wanted to marry me, or we wanted to marry each other, more likely, um, you know, I never thought twice about it. Mm. I just thought I'd sell the business. Right. So I got a good price on it. And famous, you know, that um, the the place where the snowdrops are... Yes, Welford. Welford. Yeah. yeah. Um, she knows the person that nearly brought my business. Debbie. Debbie Puxley knew her. Yeah. 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 And um, knows her well, you know. Wow. And she married late in life, a man called Gorgeous Gussie, at least that's what we used to call him. I can't remember what his name was. <laughs> and, um, no, and... Um, uh, so uh, I was given a price by my accountant, and it's ridiculous when I watch Dragon's Den now. Mm. It's ridiculous. And, um, but I'm real Dragon's Den material. Um, uh, anyway, I sold it for 17000 and I bought And what year was that? I sold it in 1970. For 17000 And what in modern-day money? 250000 mm. Quarter of a million. Wow. And I did that in eight years. That's incredible. I met you the what sealed the deal for me was that I met you in the hotel in Henley um, and Douglas had dropped you off the big whopper the big whopper and so I came with no experience whatsoever and, and I said Lou you, oh, oh, you, do you know I'm not a florist and I'm, I'm here to learn and you went my dear <laughs> everyone has to learn so that start somewhere <laughs> and and so you said I'll do the matching pair watch me and then you can do the whopper as <laughs> they come in <laughs> and so every time I see the bitter I know. I think of you. And, and for me, it was more, it was all about the mechanics mm. of how you made that massive, great whopper, mm. like, stand up. Mm. And we were obviously using Oasis in mm. the day and all, get, all your lilies were on point. Mm. And then we came back to the farmhouse and you just dexterously threw together that white... Um, it was Singapore orchids, yes. so some dendrobium. I, I always like them because they flow yeah. so well. You don't exactly. have to wire them all. A bit of ruscus, mm. just threw it together like you know just threw it together and um and i had i had an epiphany in that moment i just thought this this is what i want to do this this woman is Mm. like she has a family Mm. and she's here and next to your argo was the bucket of roses or lilies opening Mm. for the next job in the Mm. week and you just did it from home and i I remember going home oh nick picking me up Mm. and me thinking i can do that from Mm. home Mm. that's a good bit yeah and you did. You did it. For, you've always done mm. it. And, you know, I was saying that to... I don't know who I was talking to yesterday, but, you know, the good bit was it worked with children. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I could do ballet after school if that's mm. what I had to do, you know. Um, and uh, after all, you can... And I'm famously, I think I told you the story that um, it was summertime and the children had been asked to a sort of family party. Well, we'd all been asked, yeah. but... Um, it was, you know, swimming pool, tennis, that sort of thing, mm. lunch in the garden and, you know. Um, and I was doing the flowers at Gren- Greenwich Naval College that day. Um, and I rang them up and I know they had 24-hour surveillance sort of thing. So I rang them up and I said, is it possible for me to come at 3 o'clock in the morning? Mm-hmm. No surprises at all. Yeah. <laughs> so she, yeah, said, of course you can come at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, it's fine. And um, so I did the, got there at 3 o'clock, did the flowers, left at 7, got back had a bath, put on fresh clothes, and we were sitting beside the pool with me with a G&T by 12. 
the children had a lovely day. Fantastic. You know, you can work it in with children. And I felt, again, going back to Jermaine Greer and things, I felt that we shouldn't have to be one of two things, Mm. like a stupid family woman who does nothing or a great career girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the Horlicks woman. Yeah. You know, there's somewhere in between, yeah. which is very satisfactory. Very much so, mm. very much so. And um, people are still laughing about me doing it for so long and, you know, that I used to do the flowers for them yeah. long years ago and things. And I think that's very satisfactory. You don't ever think you could retire? You think there's ever going to be a time when you say, Linz, I'm, I'm done? Obviously, lately, it's crossed mm. my mind yeah. with the sight problem. Yeah. Uh, what I don't want is to be an embarrassment No, to people. You're not just a florist, though, Leo, are you? Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, gardening mm. is... It's, in, in the we, mm. it's, been, it's been through your floristry, mm. your garden and, and everything. You can't see it from here, but there's a tree of camellias just outside, about really? eight foot high. Mm. Um, so for the podcast, anyone listening, um, Louise has the most amazing garden. And, and she sent me down this garden many a time and said, go and get the Pittosporum and I've come back with something else, Gowra or something. Um, the fact that I can even suggest a name now is miraculous because I don't know anything about gardening at all. And you know... You do know a bit. Everything. I've tulips. <laughs> I know how to... Pl- I, yeah, but you know, it's... But gardening and floristry, for mm. you, are intertwined, aren't mm. they? It's the same thing, really. And my family, I do have to say, has a background of um, gardening. Mm. Not necessarily, obviously not floristry, but, you know, it goes together. And, yeah. and, you know, I just think flowers are the most beautiful thing. And I'm glad to work with them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So a quick five question, because I'm probably going to have to stop this and we're going to have to pick it up again. Mm. But um, because we've got so much to say, Luke, because there are so many things that we haven't covered. But, um, okay, favourite flower. If I was doing your funeral flowers, because of course I'm going to do them for you, Mm. um, assuming I die um, after you, because you never know in this life, but... What would be? What would, what's your favourite flower? What I find it really hard. To, it sounds very odd, but I find it hard to escape the rose. I really do find it hard one. to escape the rose. Pale pink one? Pale pink one, or, you know, even the one that's pinky, creamy. Mm. You, you fragrant. Know, fragrant. I, I mean, I really... And, and that, again, goes back to my childhood, because I'd never seen anything so beautiful. Yeah. You know, India has its own exotica, but the English flowers hold it for me. Mm. And what did you think of the Queen's funeral tribute? I thought it was lovely, and the best bit of all was um, one of my customers, Mrs North's daughter, mm-hmm. phoned me up and said, what did you think of the Queen's funeral tribute? And I said, I thought it was lovely, and she said it was just like the one you did for Mum. Oh, that's so lovely. Flowers from the gardens. Absolutely, and mm. they were all from the gardens, yes. weren't and they? So uh, yeah. if you remember, Barbara's, I told you, didn't see it, Barbara's funeral was in early April, Mm -hmm. and she had an amazing garden, as you know, Mm -hmm. where we picked the greenery, and I did it all from her garden of pale pink camellias, white daffodils, Mm -hmm. and hellebores. Gorgeous. And um, unfortunately, the burial place was a long way away from the church, and someone helped me get there. And um, then he looked at the flowers, and he said, you made that? (laughs) He said, you can't walk in a straight line, but you can still make that. (laughs) Funny, yeah. you are funny. <laughs> um, 
and until you, midnight. <laughs> and one more thing, and I promise I will come back and we will record some more because I know people want to hear more of your stories. But <laughs> sure. um, one tip, if there, there are florists listening to this podcast, if you were going to give them a tip on being a florist or some sort of life skill or, I don't know, just any, any sort of piece of advice that you would give uh, a florist kind of just starting attention out on their journey. Attention to detail. Attention to detail, yeah. Uh, it's all, so this man um, gave me a tip too. He said, if they can get a better service or better product elsewhere, you deserve to lose their custom. That's really, really good, Lou. Mm. You deserve to lose the custom. So, good if, service. If good service and, you know, good quality and, you know, attention to detail, you know. And I'm a great attention to details. You know, you know, mm. I never think it'll be good enough if I don't dot the T's and cross yeah. the I's all the other way around. But, Buy the yeah. extra wrapper flowers. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, as you know, I don't count it out. No. Which everyone finds really shocking when they come mm. to my studio and I say, stem counts. I mean, I do occasionally. Yeah, I have a rough idea, yeah. and I certainly yeah. used to. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I knew one woman who said, you know, well, particularly, it would be five cars, but that was in the days when... Five cars as incarnation. Yes. <laughs> um, but particularly, you know, she would do that sort of thing. Well, I, I would sort of say, how many lilies do I need? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty. You know, yeah. so I'd roughly go yeah. like that. Yeah. And just for ease, I put them in the buckets for the right vase, right arrangement, um, just because it's really annoying when you've got someone helping you and you've got to say what they can use and they don't know what they can use. Yes. But if I can give them a bucket... Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. And was I, was I a good student? You were a very good student. You were very good. You were, showed amazing, um, um, I don't know what it was, tenacity. Do you think so? From eating the pheasant batty or whatever it was <laughs> down to. No, you were, because, you know, you, you did the crossing the line. I mean, you were prepared to come the night before. Yeah. And stay the night so that we could go off at six in the morning. Absolutely. And get your mother from Kent. Yeah. Mm? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, full master mother too, but you know, and and when it got cross, you still went on doing it. <laughs> yeah, I'm still doing it, and, and I did still get cross <laughs> because I had worked out that it said I was already flourished when Douglas met me. Yeah. So it said what it said on the can when he got me. But he did help you a lot, didn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. But that was to do with that's because uh, your eyesight. Yeah. Mm, so going back to Claire, sort of thing that you know. That's why I miss him so much because yeah. you know because my eyesight was already bad. Yeah, yeah. I remember. It, funny enough, I've got something coming up at the Mansion House next week, and um, Douglas did it, and it was two weeks before he died. Yeah, and he did it with not very good concentration, but he loved doing it and helping me. He did. And he used to measure up the tall arrangements with the window. Yes, he briefed mm. me when we went. Talk about attention to detail. Yeah, mm. he said this is how it had to be mm. and that we we got in the lift. We had special dispensation to mm. go in the lift, yes. didn't we, to mm. go up. Mm. And you called them battleships. Yes, the, still do. The runners. But, but the, the, the interesting thing is everyone calls them battleships now. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a 60s thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, that we call them battleships. And, uh, yeah, I was just looking through the thing I got to at the mansion house, you know, and it says, you know, um, I don't know, Ten tall vases or something, three battleships, and yeah. only the girl was saying to me, "Have you brought the battleships?" And everybody else is wondering <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> Thank you, Lou. Not Thank so you sure, so so much. <laughs> and um, we will be back with Louise McGregor another time for sure. <laughs> Join Lindsay Kitchen every two weeks for the English Florist Podcast. 
If you're thinking of starting a business and also for established florists who'd like to go behind the scenes, you can become a supporter of this podcast and enjoy extra snippings, where Linz reveals more about the business side of being a professional event florist. Today's extra snippings, number 10, is available now, and in it, Lindsay shares thoughts about her conversation with Louise. Plus, there's more on finding a mentor, physical and mental well-being, and the menopause. Go to the White Horse Flower Company at whfco.co.uk and click on to the Patreon link, or click on the link in your podcast player app here. Be sure to subscribe to hear all updated episodes and follow Lindsay on Instagram at the White Horse Flower.